Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, the 19th episode of season two, which was written by the creator of the show. Directed by Thomas J. Wright, and originally aired on the WB on May 3rd, 2005. And, uh, Caitlin, you and I exchanged, uh, some texts, uh, while we were both watching this episode. What, <laughs> do you want to share with the listeners what we talked about? Yeah, we clearly have very different opinions about the show. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy texted me, and they said that they think that the episode is, like, basically filler. It has nothing to do with, like, it doesn't really add anything to the show. And I I kind of disagree with that. And I said it with such confidence, like, you would agree with me. And I was just like, okay, all right. <laughs> I love when we disagree on things, personally, because, you know, we can represent everybody on the spectrum. So. I know. I'm. I'm excited, I guess. I said, hold it for Sunday, hold it for Sunday, which is when we typically record. <laughs> but I think there is one thing that we can both agree on for this episode. Hot Uncle Cooper. Yes. So dreamy. And I cannot wait to get into talking about Hot Uncle Cooper and his bulging biceps. Anyway, <laughs> let's get started, Caitlin. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe, and we want to keep this safe place for you. So we just want to warn you that this episode contains discussions of suicide. If this is a sensitive subject for you, please review the timestamps in the show notes and skip ahead if you need to. Thank you. Nathan's Uncle Cooper shows up in Tree Hill in order to help adjust Nathan's perspective about the whole Haley situation. Cooper takes Nathan and Lucas to a race car track where they learn how to drive the race cars and meet some people from Nathan's past. After a fun race on the track, Nathan continues driving the car, goes faster than he was told to, and crashes the car. Nathan is taken to the hospital and rushed into surgery. Deb and Dan arrive at the hospital and Deb goes to donate blood but her blood is unusable because she's been abusing prescription drugs. Prior to this, Deb found out from Karen that Dan hired Jules to seduce Keith. Coping with this new information and the reality of being married to Dan, Deb turns to drugs and alcohol. Deb finally tells Dan that she's leaving him and that she prayed he would die the day of his heart attack. Dan shows up in Andy's classroom and indirectly reveals to the whole class that Andy is sleeping with Karen. A student then reports Andy's relationship to the deed, and Andy is given the option to end his relationship with Karen, or he will be fired. Andy decides to quit because Karen means more to him than the job does. In other news, Whitey tells Peyton indirectly that Jenny is safe in Florida. And while on a DW not I shift, Broken Mouth reconnect and pick up Erica Marsh from a party. The night ends with Mouth and Erica walking home and sharing a kiss. Not missing Felix at all. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. And having a dance party with my ladies, I'm Caitlin Elinich. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I just thought dance party is amazing. I love that part. Like, I'm, I'm just going to spoil it ahead of time. A Sun's Gonna Rise by Citizen Cope, that whole entire sequence. That's my favorite musical moment. Same. I'm just going to say it. Same. Same. Okay, cool. Good. Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. I don't know. It's just a feel-good song. Like, you know, and these characters, they've been going through hell lately. It's nice to see them, like, have fun, let loose a little bit, you know? Totally agree. Yeah. But there are some, like, pretty sad moments in this episode, too, though. And also some boring moments that I will personally get into, and you and I will disagree about them. <laughs> Maybe you'll change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll change my mind. You know what? Like, let's just be optimistic all around. Yes. Maybe we'll just completely flip. I don't know, Caitlin. Who knows what will happen through the course of the episode. <laughs> anyway, this episode is titled after the album of the same name by Bright Eyes. And the, this particular lyric, I'm Wide Awake It's Morning, is taken from the song Road to Joy on said album. And what did you think about this song, Caitlin? I didn't really think very much of it. Neither did I. Um, I think we can draw maybe some loose connections to the song. But I don't have a ton to say. I think a lot of the lyrics are kind of 
can represent a little bit of like what Nathan's going through and like Nathan's mindset right now. And I think there's definitely some negativity in the song, some bitterness. And it kind of comments on like some of the unfair things in life. And I think that also like represents kind of what Nathan's dealing with. Like he's really confused about Haley and he he's really bitter and just kind of in a dark really dark place as we see and we'll get to that part later but some of the stanzas that I that stood out to me in the song were I have my drugs I have my woman they keep away my loneliness my parents have their religion but sleep in separate houses then later on so I'm drinking breathing writing singing every day I'm on the clock my mind races with all my longings but can't keep up with what I got I, I don't know I feel like there's just those stanzas in particular just really kind of show like they really represent like the tone of the song. It's kind of negative. It's kind of bitter. And that's really all I have to say. What were your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, I noted those uh those same verses as well. Uh but there are two other ones that stood out to me. The first one is chorus 1 where the narrator says, I've read the body count out of the paper, and now it's written all over my face. No one ever plans to sleep out in the gutter. Sometimes that's just the most comfortable place. And I connected that to Deb specifically, because Deb's not sleeping in the gutter, but she is sleeping out on the lawn, because essentially she just doesn't want to go home. She doesn't want to go home to her asshole of a husband. So I feel like that lyric connected to her specifically. But to go back to Nathan, um, I connected uh, his plight to verse 5. Well, I could have been a famous singer if I had turned someone else's voice, but failures always sounded better. Let's fuck it up, boys. Make some noise. And I think Nathan was just sort of accepting his fate in the car crash at the end of the episode, and I don't want to get too deep into that because that's a giant trigger warning, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think that's really what he was doing. He was just accepting what was going to happen to him. Yeah, that's a good point that I hadn't really considered myself. And he's just, he's kind of rebelling in this episode. And so that last part, like, makes some noise. Like, I feel like that's kind of what Nathan, he's really lost right now. And he kind of just wants to, like, let loose in a way. For sure. 200 mile, mile per hour therapy was what he refers to it as, or what Cooper referred to it as earlier. Yeah, and chose the most dangerous way to let loose, but... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (gasps) That's beside the point. (laughs) We'll get into that, though. Yes. And then we also have an opening quote, voiceover quote by Lucas, at the beginning of the episode. It's a Joseph Conrad quote, and I'll, I'll read it right now. Who knows what true happiness is? Not the conventional word, but the naked terror. To the lonely themselves that wears a mask... The most miserable outcast hugs some memory or some illusion. This is another example of another pretentious quote. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So I I honestly don't really know what the first line of this quote means. Same. Yeah. I had no idea what that is. The second sentence, I feel like I have an idea. Yeah. Do you want to share your thoughts? I mean, I mean, sure. Um... I feel like a lot of the characters are essentially holding on to something, like some type of illusion. And in this case, we have Nathan at the very beginning of the episode. He's holding this illusion of Haley. That's a literal illusion. But then I also think this can apply to other characters like Peyton, who, like, we see her looking through her contact book. She's ripping out pages and everything like that. And, you know, she is very lonely in this episode. And I feel like she says she's been kind of holding on to hope with uh, by having all these people in her life but now she realizes like wait these people are gone and that's why she's ripping them out yeah that's a good connection and as you were talking i was thinking about deb too like she's kind of holding on to this illusion of dan and like maybe who he used to be because she's still there with him even though she doesn't now she doesn't want to be and she she says that she's going to leave him at the end but i feel like she's kind of holding on to something that's like no longer there like dan i don't know maybe he was always terrible maybe there was a good side to him once and she's like holding on to that memory you know the past memories yeah but all it took for her to like say like you know what i want to leave was for karen to bluntly say oh uh dan paid jules to seduce keith (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that moment. I thought that part was just so funny. Like, Zeb's like, I got my positive energy flowing. And then Karen's like, oh, uh, Dan paid Jules to seduce Keith. And then Zeb's like, life sucks. I need a drink. <laughs> it's so good. Funniest moment. Of the whole yeah, episode. because like I, I feel like that's like one of the moments in uh, in this episode where like we realize like wait a minute, Deb never found out, and like how can she find out? And this is just her way of like inserting that storyline in. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. But anyway, let's get horny for a second. <laughs> um, can't <lie. laughs> In this episode, we get introduced to hot Uncle Cooper. And let me tell you something. <sighs> Boy, I'm scared. His very first scene where he just takes off his leather jacket oh so slowly, and then underneath he is wearing this really tight, short sleeve, button-down shirt. His biceps are, like, literally popping out, and then the shirt is just slightly unbuttoned at the top of the chest. And, like, Caitlin, like, this entire little sequence is straight-up pornographic. <laughs> and maybe I am just projecting 14-year-old uh, Jeremy the first time I saw this, because... Like, when I saw this, like, come on, like, you know, internet porn wasn't as popular back then. I didn't have internet. But, like, let me tell you, seeing this particular scene, like, really awakened something in me. <laughs> and and it still awakens me now at 31. <laughs> I, like, I am unwell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that he's not even shirtless. And he's not shirtless. He still just, has like, that effect. in there. <laughs> Jeremy's blushing. <laughs> uh, am I? <laughs> I think so. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hot in here. I think I don't know if it's the temperature or or if it's just like watching it, but like just just damn, Caitlin. I I can't deal. I am very unwell, and I just need to be honest about that for a quick second. <laughs> you know, I didn't really ever notice those little details. I mean, he is hot. That that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I love but it. Yes, I may have watched that scene quite a bit as a as a kid because it was like the closest things to internet porn I could get. Okay, and I don't blame ooh. you. I don't blame you. Anyway. Thank you. Did this awaken something in you? I need to, <laughs> like, really. I need to be validated, Caitlin, okay? Like, <laughs> this is all you. Somebody validate me. In our Discord, we'll open a Hot Uncle Cooper channel. Oh, boy. We literally will just thirst after Hot Uncle Cooper. <laughs> I love it. But anyway, Hot Uncle Cooper gets introduced, and he also has a crew of people. Yeah, Lucas and Nathan go with Cooper to the race car track, and they meet Daytona. Played by Skylar Fisk, who is Sissy SpaceX's daughter. Just a fun pop culture tidbit. That's cool. And apparently Nathan knew Daytona, like, when they were, I guess when they were younger and kids. And I just need to say, I feel like Daytona is one of the more fascinating characters in this whole situation. She, for one thing, she is surrounded by sexism, even from Uncle Cooper. Because, like, at the end of the, toward the end of the episode, when they're doing that race, um, they're all like, oh, let me the, uh, the best man win. And then Cooper says, like, oh, I can eliminate you three girls. Talk about Nathan and Lucas and, and her. And then, like, you know, there's a bunch of other comments made toward her. It's like, oh, I'm not going to be outdriven by a girl. And then she continually proves herself that she is capable. But, like, but but just why? Why do why does she have to face all the sexism? It's so stupid. I know. I hated that comment about the girls. <sighs> yeah. I love you, Pot Uncle Cooper, but that was not hot of you, okay? Yeah, I feel like you said a few things in this episode that were a little questionable. I can't really remember what the other ones were, but I mean him having hot ex wives. <laughs> oh yeah. Which just a little side tangent for for a second here. Nathan referred to Cooper's ex wife. Carrie as hot. Can we just unpack a little bit? That used to be Nathan's aunt. I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying a little disturbing, okay? 
I know it's just yeah. anti-marriage and whatnot, but still, like, I, I don't know. I get, I get a little bit cringe there. <laughs> Did the writers realize that, like, Nathan is talking about his aunt, objectifying his aunt here? Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're right. That's... <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they... Some of their conversations were just kind of... I don't know. I don't think I have anything. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all good i don't even know what to say either caitlin because these okay this entire storyline like i like all these like little characters that get introduced spoiler alert we never see them again with with the exception of one that i won't say who but like what's the point of introducing all these characters i know i feel like this episode and thinking about the whole season so far is kind of random and that like we get introduced to the to uncle cooper and then we're taken to the race car track and it, I don't know, there was, like, no lead-up to Uncle Cooper at all. But I guess same way with Taylor entering the picture. She just shows up one day at the beginning of the episode. So they're kind of doing a similar thing, and I think it all kind of revolves around the fact that Haley hasn't been in several episodes, and the actress, <laughs> she is on tour right now. So, like, I think they just needed some, they needed people to pair with Nathan, I guess, but I just don't find this whole plot line to be very interesting. You know what I almost wonder? I wonder if this was meant to be sort of like a backdoor pilot for One Tree Hill. Like, maybe they were planning to use these characters to have their own series about, like, race car drivers. Because, come on, there weren't any teen dramas about race car drivers. Come on. You really think that? I almost wonder that. Like, so here's here's my theory. I feel like if these characters really took off in this episode, which they obviously did not because we never see them again, I feel like we probably could have at least gotten a pilot and maybe a potential spinoff series starring Uncle Cooper and Daytona and Jarrett, who Jarrett is played by Stuart Lafferty, James Lafferty's real life brother. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, wow. Look at you and your fun facts. Oh, I'm here for it. But that's my hot take on this whole situation, because I feel like why else introduce these characters? I don't really know, because the storyline really focuses on why Nathan, why it was important for Nathan to come to the race tra- race car track and kind of let loose. And then ultimately, we'll get to that part later, crashing the car. I think it's it's really revolving around Nathan's mental health, honestly. So I don't really know the side characters... Even Daytona, like, it doesn't really mean much. It doesn't really add much to the story. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you know, we, we see, like, little moments where Daytona says that, oh, I wish there was something I could do for Nathan. And I'm like, okay, after this episode, Daytona, you never reach out to Nathan at all. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I don't know. I just feel like this episode is very off-putted, and I feel like, th- I feel like that's the biggest reason why it's filler. I feel like the other plot lines are pretty relevant, but everything with the race car crew just really falls flat to me. Yes, even Uncle Cooper. I think the crash, ultimately, that adds to the story, but like all of the yeah. other stuff, yeah, it's kind of filler. Right. I thought that the conversation with Cooper and Nathan, the when they were by themselves and they were walking at night and talking, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Um because Cooper says, he tells Nathan that love is great, but it needs to be true love for both people. And he really wanted Nathan to think about that in terms of, you know, Haley and what he feels for her, what Haley feels for him. And then he also kind of provides Nathan once with some reassurance about like things will get better over time. And, and Cooper relates that to his own divorces divorce divorces up whatever how many there were <laughs> <laughs> yeah we only know about the one but he says hot ex-wives yeah so i don't know i feel i, I feel like he's been married at least three times that makes sense i don't know i'm just trying to headcanon that i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> but i i feel like yeah cooper was really used as kind of like i guess a, he was like almost a mentor to nathan in a way like, trying to help him get through this tough time. Yeah, I see that, but... However, I also think that some of Cooper's advice kind of pushed Nathan over the edge a little bit, because, like, th- this one exchange really stuck out to me. 
He says, look, Nate, love is a pretty great thing, man. Maybe it's the greatest thing, but it's got to be true love for the both of you. You already said this. But, uh, and then Nathan said, what, what if it was? And then Cooper responds, well, if it still is, man, you fight like hell for it. But the harder question is, what if it wasn't? And I feel like that kind of, like, triggered Nathan a little bit. I feel like Cooper meant well, of course. But this sort of made uh, Nathan spiral a little bit, I think. It wasn't, like, necessarily the advice he needed to hear right at this moment. I, w- I would agree with that, for sure. Yeah, I think Cooper was given tough love, and I feel like that tough love was great. And I, you know, I'm not going to, like, you know, disparage Cooper for, giving advi- for saying something like that. But I don't think it was what Nathan needed in this very moment. Yeah, I think it's a valid thing to say, especially because Nathan and Haley are also so young. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Cooper was out of line to say that. And I think he had good intentions, but you're right. It was what ultimately caused Nathan to to spiral. And, like, everything is a reminder. Like, even Daytona was singing... Haley and Chris's song. Yeah. Originally a Brian Adams song, and I always forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did know that too. <laughs> but still, like, she was probably singing that because Haley and Chris's song was, their version of it was maybe on the radio places? Like, maybe that was, I don't well, know. Well, she does say, like, oh, it's Ryan Adams. So I feel like maybe she hasn't heard Haley and Chris's version. She was probably thinking, like, oh, I love this Ryan Adams song. I'm going to sing it right now. I mean, out of all the songs. <laughs> yeah, and it was just it was just really shitty timing. Yeah. Like, she had no idea, like, why Nathan walked away, because Lucas had to tell Daytona, like, no, it's not you, it's a Haley thing. Yeah. So I feel like just, it doesn't matter really what it is, there's always going to be a reminder to Nathan. And I think, yes, we can say that Cooper's remark maybe pushed him over the edge, but he was already dealing with so much. And he's questioning so much, too. For sure. But speaking of people uh, spiraling a little bit, let's uh, chat about Deb and her pill addiction and how she drunkenly passed out on the lawn. Yeah, this part's really sad. Do you notice how Deb's wardrobe and overall appearance has really drastically changed from the beginning of season one? Yeah. It's like she's not really being herself right now. Um, like, you know, she shows up a trick, like, wearing, like, this really flirty outfit, and of course there's nothing wrong with that, she looks hot, she's great, um, but that's not typically, like, what she would normally wear in this situation, so I feel like she's a little bit more loose. Yeah, I'm not judging what she's wearing, I'm saying that her wardrobe has drastically changed with the state of her, I guess you can also say, mental health. Deb, I mean, Nathan's struggling with mental health, Deb is struggling with mental health. There is just a lot that she is dealing with. And, you know, when Karen tells her about the whole Keith and Jules thing, the reality of being married to Dan just really hits home, I think. Mm-hmm. And imagine how, like, imagine how you would feel. You're, you're trying to, to cope with that, like, who you're married to. That's a lot, you know? In a way, I mean, I don't agree with it, but... I understand why she's feeling the way she feels. Yeah. And she's even brutally honest and says that she wished Dan died in the chapel from earlier in the season after he had his heart attack. She's going through some shit. She's really, she's feeling a lot. And the part, the part when she's standing at the stove in this episode and she's boiling the water and putting syrup in that. (laughs) Holy Crap. I don't mean to laugh, but, like, that was just so funny when she says, I'm boiling water to throw on you. <laughs> What's the syrup for? That's how it sticks to you. <laughs> she says it so matter-of-factly, and it's like, whoa, we have taken, like, a complete 180. Like, earlier in this season, I know she was questioning being with Dan, and then they were trying to work things out, and now it's just not working, you know? And, and finding out this new information about Keith and Jules is just, like, the final straw. Yeah. Also, can we uh, chat a little bit about the HIPAA violation that occurs? Because (laughs) Deb tries to (laughs) donate some blood, and then the doctor comes out and just says, like, oh, we were able to find an alternate donor for him. And then she's like, oh, did did I not uh, have enough blood to give to him? And then the doctor says, like, right in front of Dan, saying, like, how long has it been since you've been using prescription drugs? I know, you're not even pulling aside the person and telling them privately? Exactly. 
this is something that I'm much more aware of nowadays as an older person. I'm like, there's so many HIPAA violations on fucking TV shows. There really is, yeah. It's not accurate. And I get it, like, it just has to move the plot along. How else could Dan find out? But, come on. That part is really concerning, too. Because I wasn't even thinking of it at the time when she says, oh, I can donate. I wasn't even thinking about what I knew about her situation. But, yeah, that that's another, like, rude awakening here. Mm-hmm. So Dan is really annoying the shit out of Deb right now. Rightfully so. But he's also annoying the shit out of Karen and Andy. So we see Dan shows off to Andy's class and refers, uh to these people named Ramsey and Sharon. It makes it very obvious to the other students who he is talking about. Yeah, this is so unbelievable. Because, like, <laughs> why couldn't Dan just... He can't just walk into a classroom like that. If he wanted to go report it, then he should have just went right to the dean. But, of course, in dramatic fashion, he has to walk into the classroom, insinuate that it's Karen that Andy is sleeping with, and make it this whole dramatic thing, but... Do you think he actually reported it to the dean? Or do you think he actually, like, he came into the class and and just uh, indirectly encouraged another student to report Karen and Andy? I think he did that to provoke another student to to come out and say it. That's what I think, too, because Dan's, like, one of the, the types of characters who's, like, very mischievous. He never, like, does things directly. He sort of just let, lets things run its course. I mean, we saw the whole thing happen between, like, you know, Keith and Jules. He said, like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say a word. But then, of course, that ended up coming out. And what happened happened, unfortunately. I know. And, like, at the same time, okay, Dan, how he approached it was inappropriate. But also Andy and Karen's relationship, like we've already established, is inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah, so that's not how Dan approached it. He didn't approach it in a way like, oh, students and teachers shouldn't be dating, you know? And I know that this is a TV show, and I know we're suspending our belief, because we do like Andy. But, like, why does Andy, prior to this, not think this is a problem? Exactly. Yeah. And never he never really addresses that, that it's a problem that he's dating a, a current student. And then he quits his job teaching as this big romantic gesture. I mean, it doesn't seem like he really needs to be teaching anyway because he's super rich, but... Yeah, I was going to say that, too. Like, this isn't really, like, a reality. This isn't a real situation. (laughs) But I I think where this story was going, like, I'm kind of, in a way, glad that he was outed because it is wrong. And he's going to be with Karen anyway, so... I don't know. What are your thoughts about it? (laughs) Like, I mean... I hate how Dan did it, but, like, in the end... I don't know, maybe it's for the best. Yeah, like, this shouldn't be happening in real-world terms, of course. But right now, the relationship isn't problematic, so it's like, oh, they can be together now. But this is not something that would work out like this in real life. No. If this was real life, and let's say Andy wasn't this really, like, fucking rich guy, this would be a completely different situation. I totally agree. The stakes would be higher if, like, he truly needed this job. For real. But I'm bored with these storylines. Let's talk about some fun things. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're bored with these storylines. <laughs> so, like, I just don't think anything happens in this episode. But the, like, I can't, like, really expand on anything, it feels like. But the thing, the thing I would disagree about that is I don't think it's filler. I think it is moving all these storylines along. Like, the whole Deb thing. Like, before this, we were like, does Deb really have a problem? We don't really know, like, what that is exactly. And now it's clear that she has a problem. I just feel like all these storylines could fit better in a more plot-heavy episode. I just feel like there's only a few scenes. I, I feel like, okay, like, when you think back to this episode, here are your takeaways. They think it's a tour crash. We find out that Deb is uh, abusing pills. Erica and Mouth get together. Like, I, I feel like these storylines could have fit elsewhere in, like, a different episode. And for one thing, too, like, this, this season already has 23 episodes. One more than other seasons of the show. I just, I, I am not feeling this episode. I'm just not. I see your point. I really do. It's true, because, like, when I was writing the recap, it's not super long. Like, some episodes, they're super long, it feels like. But this right. one was a little bit shorter. And... Yeah, like, I think the Deb and Nathan things are, like, the biggest part of it. 
I mean, we get some new characters. Like, we we get Uncle Cooper, and then Erica Marsh, she's not new, but we get reintroduced to her. Like, she's back, basically. Right. But that's... I I just feel like there's not a lot for this episode to stand on, personally. Okay. All right. Maybe you're convincing me a little bit. It's okay. You can feel your opinions. That's all good. Oh, I know. Can we get to the highlight? Let's just talk about the highlight. The tree hill ladies dancing and hanging out in trick. <laughs> I have no notes really on this other than that this is cool. This is iconic. It really is iconic. And I, I feel like the song choice is perfect. And like you flip in this whole scene, like, and really I'm going to be talking about the song right now because why the heck not? Sun's going to rise by Citizen Cope. You get to see the ladies dancing, but then it also switches over to the race car track. So there's like a lot of excitement happening in this whole moment. And I feel like the song was just perfect for that. And as soon as the first notes of the song were playing, I was like dancing in my seat. (laughs) I just was like totally feeling it. And I, I think, and you've made this point before about how like with a 22 episode season, or in this case, 23 like, you get to have these extra moments that you might not have had in a tighter, like, shorter season. Yeah. Which kind of contradicts what I said, like, two seconds ago. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Where I say, like, <laughs> We're complicated humans. <laughs> <laughs> right? I am complex, you know? <laughs> I feel like, uh, so, okay, I feel like filler episodes are great if they're interested, and I'm just not interested. I was not interested at all in the race car crew at all. The only part I was interested in was seeing hot Uncle Cooper in a tight short sleeve button down shirt. That was all I was really into. And I thought Daytona was cool, but even then, like, I didn't think there was, like, enough of her to really warrant, like, a a full episode or a full series if this was supposed to be a backdoor pilot. I have no idea. But no harm to the actors. No, har- no harm to Stuart Lafferty and, uh, and Skylar Fisk, because... Great people, but it just it, it did not resonate with me whatsoever. I hear you, but this particular moment did. Yes. And I, <laughs> I'm going off topic. Just yeah. I, I hate the other stuff, Kate. You are going <laughs> off topic. Shush. <laughs> the trio yes, ladies. We need to talk about dancing and trick. I just feel like there's been a lot of darkness lately, especially like with what Peyton's been dealing with, and to see her up and dancing with Brooke. And then we're getting Karen and Deb involved. It was just like a cute moment because those four characters you don't see together. I, I mean, I can't really think of a time where we've seen all four of those characters together and interacting like that. Yeah. And I was just like kind of, I mean, we needed Haley there, but she's off on tour, so. <laughs> as as 17 year olds do, you know. <laughs> it, it was just fun to see like the women on the show all together and it didn't have to like make it didn't mean something like it wasn't like this important scene or anything it was just like they got to let loose just like nathan was letting loose on the racetrack and and whatnot but yeah they're they're all miserable right now and they say like you know what like let's let's have some fun let's distract ourselves for a little bit and then let's deal with our problems later essentially yeah and everyone needs moments like that because they just like i don't know they, they really can be healing i think for real absolutely i mean who doesn't love a random dance party (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's funny i don't consider this part a a filler part of the episode i consider the other stuff (laughs) because this is entertaining you know i want more of this i really do yes give us more like when it cut over to like the race car track i'm like i don't want to see this like i want to see more of the ladies dancing like i don't really care about uh everybody being all uh sexist or daytona like oh i'm not gonna get out driven by a girl <laughs> oh gosh but anyway um at the end of this little uh get together uh brooke drives deb home even though deb does not go inside her home and uh, then she picks up Mouth, who was pretended to be drunk, which I thought was adorable and hilarious. <laughs> it really was. It was clever. <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> but I wonder why he didn't just, like, outright ask Brooke and say, listen, I just wanted to hang out, okay? I know. <laughs> like, why wasn't he? He could have just asked her and just been in the passenger seat while she picked people yeah. up. But it, it was cute. It was cute. 
Yeah. I feel like Austin Math might just be in, like, one of those, like, weird situations where he's, like, he, you know, he obviously still has, like, romantic feelings for Brooke. And he just, like, he, but, but he still wants to be friends with her. So it's, you know, he kind of, like, needs, like, an excuse, I guess, to hang out with her. True. And this was just the best reason he come up with. And he decides to just be honest and just say, like, listen, okay, I wanted to hang out with you, okay? <laughs> Don't hate me. It was nice to see them reconnect, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do like those two characters paired together as friends. I think they have good chemistry overall. Absolutely. And then things get a little weird because they pick up Erica Marsh, and it's kind of confusing of what happened at this party that they're picking her up from. Yeah, she's, she says that it's the guys from Felix's party, and... I mean, we saw the guys at Felix's party. It looked like they were going to try take advantage of her. Yeah, but all she says is that they were grabby. Yeah. And she doesn't owe anybody the story or anything like that. Obviously, it was a traumatizing situation for her, but, like, I kind of hate that it's just sort of, like, pushed to the side. I know. That's the part that's a little confusing. Like, if they wanted to go there, why didn't they, like, fully go there, you know? Yeah. And include that that kind of story. But I feel like we already saw it at Felix- Felix's party because Brooke takes her home, right? It's like a repeat of the same story. But then in a way, it's like she sees Mouth and and gets to know him and kind of sees that he's he seems like a good guy. And maybe that gives her like some kind of realization like she shouldn't be hanging out at these parties. And not like it was her fault or anything, but yeah, like Yeah, like she realized that there was like a good man. Yeah, out there. yeah. But she didn't need to be at these parties. Like, she deserves better than that, you know? Yeah, for sure. I guess that's the message they were trying to send. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. I, I just find it kind of weird, though. Like, she would even want to be around a man at all after, like, what she went through. I'm just like, and, and she just, like, jumps in, like, jumps to mouth right after that. It's just sort of, I don't, I don't really know how I feel. But I feel like that is a good point, though. That, yeah, there is a good guy here. And... You know, she doesn't really need to sell herself short. Because in a way, that's what she's been doing, if you think about it. Like, after after she lost the student council election, she sort of spiraled. Yep. And started hanging out with, like, people who are not necessarily the best people she should be hanging out with. And here she is, I guess, coming to that realization. Which, like, is the show trying to blame her? I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. Is the show trying to victim blame her? I feel like they don't delve into it enough in order to make a conclusion either way but i'm not sure but in the end they end up kissing <laughs> and erica yes. was the one who initiated it <laughs> mm-hmm. which it was cute it was cute to see mouth like potentially interested in someone else other than brooke and it was cute for erica to like be paired with someone because we don't yeah. know a ton about erica we we only know limited so maybe this opens you know storylines in the future yeah i'm curious to see what will happen here same America. America. <laughs> M- Mouthica. <laughs> Mouthica. <I don't> know. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, back to some sad shit. Um, Peyton's feeling pretty abandoned in this episode. Yeah, because apparently Jake told her that he didn't want her visiting anymore, which I could see how that would be hard. And I also kind of wonder how long is Jake supposed to be in jail for? <laughs> that, that that's a thing that they haven't really uh addressed. <laughs> Is he supposed to be in jail until, like, he gives up Jenny's whereabouts? In which case, like, did you think this through, Jake? (laughs) It's all very strange. But what was cute about this was that Whitey comes to talk to Peyton and basically tells her that Jenny is safe in Florida without telling her exactly that. (laughs) Yeah, I really like how he said it. Like, you know, Florida is a great place to be, a great place to raise a daughter... And then he just says, Jenny's fine, Peyton. Jake wanted you to know that. Because I like that. Like, he was obviously trying not to implicate Peyton in everything. He doesn't want Peyton to know too much. Exactly. Which is for the best. And I know we talked about this last time, but (laughs) the fact that Whitey took Jenny there is really, wow. (laughs) Did you notice the part at the very beginning of the episode where he's looking at a picture of him and Camilla? He was? Yeah. Was this in the opening voiceover? Yeah, the opening voiceover, yeah. Oh, maybe I yeah. missed that. Yeah, it's like looking at a little Polaroid of the two of them. And I feel like maybe this might be his way of, like, uh, helping a family out because he never really got to have a family of his own with Camilla because he lost his wife. 
He even says that to Peyton. He says, you, mi- you miss your mother, and I miss my wife. I'm kind of curious, and this is a little bit of a side tangent here, but didn't it seem like Whitey's wife died a few years ago? Or a long time ago? Because I thought, I thought it was made to seem like it was almost the same time of when Peyton's mom died. Like, that at length of time. Yeah. So it's just kind of curious, because they would have been married a long time. I wonder why they didn't have kids. Was it because she died? Because they would have been older at that point. But I don't know. It's kind of curious. I mean, there could be a lot of things involved. Infertility. I'm not like, yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, we know that Whitey expressed that he wanted to have kids of his own, and they just never did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe the time was just never right. Who knows? I wish we had more information about Camilla, honestly. I, I want to know more yeah. about his wife. Here's what we want. We want a One Tree Hill spinoff that takes place in the past. We get to see young Whitey and Camilla. And we get opened and we get voiceovers from Barry Corbin looking back on his life. There we go. We get to see Barry Corbin get the work that he deserves on this fucking show. And we get to see his son play the younger him. Yes. Well, at this point I think he'd be too old too old at this point. <laughs> well, I don't know. In a perfect world, Jeremy, just don't think about the logistics. Okay, okay, yeah. Just stop, just stop. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think he can play a teenage whitey anymore. Well, not teenage, but late in That's the That's my vision of being. I envision like, this would all be a teen whitey. Yeah, a teen whitey, and then I would like to see like middle-aged whitey, too. I don't know. I want to see it all. I, I'm curious about that whole storyline, and we hardly get any information about it. Little drips and drabs here and there and i just want more same give barry corbin more work (laughs) i feel like you say that every episode (laughs) i do (sighs) i say it every episode he's in which is like twice a season at this point (laughs) (sighs) i know barry corbin gets plenty of work otherwise i just i just think he should get work on this show (laughs) much more of it yeah and i you've been saying that since season one the more you say it the more i kind of realize it actually like, there was such a missed opportunity. For real. The scenes he's in are great. He adds to the show. There could have definitely been more. For sure. All right. Are we ready for... Yes. Nathan crashes the car. And this is the uh, moment where we put the giant uh, trigger warning about suicide. So I feel like the race was going fine. Everyone was having fun. And it's almost like Nathan's in this... Like, imagine I've never been in a race car before, but you're going super fast. You're racing in, like, literally in a circle. And it's almost kind of like you've lost control of your speed in a way. And he's flipping through all these memories of Haley and him, you know, getting married and just, like, their whole relationship. He's almost not, like, aware of what he's doing. I th- and I think that's how the memories kind of come out as he's driving the car. And then it kind of really hits him when they're supposed to all slow down. And he just wants that feeling. It's almost like a numbness in a way. Like he's going through all these memories in his head, but it, it's like the motion of the car. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I, I think so. A little bit. Um, Keep going. Though. It's almost like the motion of the car has... Kind of numbs the pain, is what I'm basically saying. Right. And he doesn't want to stop. Mm-hmm. So that's why he keeps going. I don't know if his yeah. intention the entire time was to crash, or if it was towards the end when he just realized he didn't want to stop, and he just wanted to kind of... You're kind of in your little bubble there, I imagine, when you're in a race car like that. You're like in a little yeah. bubble. You're going so fast. Either he could think clearly or he couldn't think clearly. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts, and I know that was really confusing, and maybe maybe listeners will understand what I'm trying to say, but I don't even really know what my thoughts are exactly. Yeah. My uh, t- takeaway of this is, like, yeah, I feel you. Uh, what you touched on earlier about, like, was it his intention to crash the car from the very beginning? I don't really think so. I don't think he started driving and thought, like, you know what, I am going to crash. I feel like what happened was he started driving, and then it looks like he was about to crash. 
And then he is sort of he sort of gave up and just said, you know what, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if I died right now. Yeah. Because we even find out at the end that Daytona says, like, you know, like, Nathan is an athlete. He should have the reflex to turn left. But he didn't turn. And, you know, to go back to what I was saying about the song earlier, I feel like Nathan was just sort of accepted his fate, like, as he was about to collide. And just said, you know what? Not the worst thing in the world. Let me just keep going. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it was just kind of like an in-the-moment thing where... He saw it happening, he was losing control, and then he just let things happen as they did, which, right. you know, crashed the car ultimately. And I feel like, like, the car could almost be a metaphor in a way of, like, as long as the car keeps going, like, he's in his own bubble, but as soon as that car stops, he's back to reality and has to face everything again. Yeah. It's like the whole thing about, like, being in, like, the driver's seat of your life, except this is, like, a literal driver's seat. Yeah. And th- this is something that he can control because everything that happened with Haley, that's, those are things that he couldn't necessarily control. Like what, like all these shitty things have kept happening to him, unfortunately. So this was his way of sort of gaining control, which is so, so sad. And, you know, it's, it's not unnatural for teenagers or anybody to feel this way. I know. And it really shows like how he needs to be in therapy. Like, he has so much that's going on right now, and he does clearly has no idea how to process it all, and I don't really blame him. It's confusing. He knows he loves Haley, and she's, like, she's being weird right now. I mean, she has her reasons, yeah. but she is being, she is being weird. So, it's not the Haley that he knew, and I get how that can be a really tough realization, and he doesn't know how to cope with it. Mm-hmm. And this is just the only way he knew how. And then at the uh, toward the end, when Nathan gets taken to the hospital, Nathan says, like, Lucas promised me one thing. Lucas is like, yeah, anything. And then Nathan says, don't tell Haley. Yeah, what is Lucas supposed to do with that? Oh, my gosh. Like, Haley needs to know. <laughs> exactly. This is Nathan's way of just, like, you know, taking control of his life. Because, and I feel like, uh, to go back to what Cooper said to him earlier, the, the whole thing where Cooper's like, well, what if it wasn't true love? So I feel like Nathan might have been accepting the fact, like, you know what? It wasn't true love. Haley doesn't need to know shit, basically. Imagine, like, you're in love with someone so much, and now you are questioning everything you shared with that person. Like, was she sincere? You know, did she actually love me? When she said this, did she really mean it? And that can be really painful. Mm-hmm. This is a lot. It, it is a lot. But yes, I overall, I would agree with you that like his initial intention was not to crash the car, but he basically just let it happen. And mm-hmm. I also I want to bring up Peyton in the car back in season one because I find it oh, yeah? interesting how we've talked about these two storylines and how these characters are really struggling. And I, I find it interesting that a car was used in both to really show like the mental health of each character. Don't you find that interesting? Like we we get yeah. we get the running red lights storyline with Peyton when she was going through like dealing with the grief of her mother, and now Nathan is in a car, and actually crashes this because Peyton never crashed. I don't know if there is a parallel. I mean, there there is a loose parallel there, I guess. Yeah, and we don't know what the writers were intended with Peyton's storyline. I know when we talked about it, we were um, equivocating it to a self harm narrative. Yeah. But Nathan, Nathan's, I feel like, is very... I, I hate that I'm even using my catchphrase for this, but this is very on the nose. Because he actually is literally crashing a car to essentially die. And he's going into you know? surgery now. Exactly. Yeah, I think this one, you're right, it is more clear-cut um, mm-hmm. of self-harm narrative. But, oh, man, when we talked about Peyton's storyline, that, that to me, like, I can't go back now. I can't not think of it as that because it... It really was, like, because her intention, which is different from Nathan, like, her intention was to run the red lights and to, I think she, she wanted to be hit because she was wondering why, like, her mom ran one by mistake and she died and then Peyton keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. Nothing's happening. Like, she's, like, trying to will it to happen, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's a little bit different from Nathan. For sure. I don't know. I felt like I needed to bring that up because it was just interesting that a car was involved in both, both of these. Yeah, it just it just makes you wonder, like, what is like the greater, what is the greater symbolism here? You know, 
So we have another quote. <laughs> another Lucas voiceover quote. Yeah, two in one episode. Oh my. So this one was a Stephen King quote. Time takes it all, whether you want it to or not. Time takes it all. Time bears it away, and in the end, there is only darkness. Sometimes we find others in that darkness, and sometimes we lose them there again. And how interesting is it that we get a Stephen King quote in the same episode with Sissy SpaceX's daughter? <laughs> That's true. I just put two and two together right there. Oh my gosh, that is funny. <laughs> anyway, tell us about this quote, Caitlin. Yeah, this quote is taken from The Green Mile. So this quote is kind of interesting to me. It's, it is really dark. It works well because of everything that happened with Nathan. And like, you're getting this voiceover as he's like at the hospital and going into surgery and all of that. It's pretty straightforward. It's just showing all the darkness that everyone is kind of dealing with in this moment. Ultimately, what Nathan is facing. Yeah, the sentence that really resonates with me, that sometimes we find others in that darkness and sometimes we lose them there again. Um, if you, In a way, you think about like Nathan and Cooper, they sort of found each other and reconnected in that darkness because Nathan's going through a tough time. But then here we go, like Cooper lost Nathan again in the car accident. So I feel like that's like kind of like a literal interpretation if we really wanted to like reach a little bit. Yeah, I that is a good point that you can kind of meet someone there. Or just get lost on your own. Um, I don't know if it relates to any of the other characters, though. Like, in that way. Like, are there any other characters yeah. that are finding themselves in the darkness? I mean, the fact that it's uh, it, it happens, like, right as, like, you know, we're on the racetrack. This quote is said, literally, as Daytona is talking to Lucas on the racetrack. I, I feel like it's very purposeful that it's being said right there. So I feel like it, it's supposed to tie into Nathan specifically. Yeah, yeah. Because the quote doesn't span the whole coda. It spans, like, a little small section of the coda. Yeah. All right, do you want to get into this coda? Yeah, let's do it. The song is Abilene by Damien Gerardo. And it kicks off in the hospital when Bro- Brooke and Lucas are hugging. And we're in the hospital waiting room. Dan asks Deb how long she has been taking pills, and she says she has been taking them since she quit her job and because she's married to Dan. Then we go back to the hospital OR where Nathan is laying on the bed. Back to the waiting room, Dan pushes Cooper, only to be pulled away by Andy, who asks, how's your karma, Dan? Can we unpack that for a second? I don't really like that Andy was using this whole thing against Dan. No, I don't like that either. It's kind of out of character for Andy. And why is Andy even there? (laughs) You know what? Yeah, why? Well, okay, Karen was probably there to support Lucas, so Andy was just there in general to provide support yeah i don't think that's really necessary (laughs) but okay (laughs) but but regardless like you shouldn't have been saying that to dan i feel like 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 i get it like you're fucking mad at him but like don't use the fact that his son got into an accident as like a a statement on his karma just like that's not the time andy yeah that's really inappropriate because nathan has nothing to do with what dan did to jules and keith and telling on andy sleeping with karen like all of these things i feel like Andy has against Dan, but, like, come on. Nathan has nothing to do with any of that. Exactly. But we get back to the racetrack. Daytona is talking to Lucas and tells him that Nathan's reflexes should have kicked in before the crash, and that it was almost like he aimed for the wall, like he tried to crash. Cue the Stephen King quote. Now we're in Lucas's and Brooke's bedroom. Brooke sorts through shredded paper in Lucas's closet. So it looks like Brooke is going to be putting that little puzzle together from the previous episode. And then we go to Peyton's car outside of the New Brunswick County Jail, where she looks on in despair. And we're back to the hospital OR where doctors prep Nathan for surgery. So pretty dark, bleak episode, but let's wrap this up and talk about our favorite quotes. Mine is, I don't really miss Felix at all, or my parents that much, but I miss my money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just like me, I'm going to be like, I don't really miss this episode at all. (laughs) Oh, Jeremy. All right, so my favorite quote is the Deb and Karen exchange at the bar. Deb says to Karen, As a matter of fact, I'm turning over a new leaf. From now on, I'm looking on the bright side of things, staying positive. Then Karen says to Deb, Dan paid Jules to seduce Keith. Deb says to Karen, Life sucks, I need a drink. (laughs) 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 That's the funniest moment, and I love it so much. 
it's beautiful. Karen's just like, I'm just going to be blonde to just give you the info. <laughs> exactly. Musical moment we already talked about. Sun's going to rise by Citizen Cope. What is your rating? Well, you're like making me downgrade the episode now. Do, do, do what you wanted to do. It. Give it what you wanted to. Your whole vibe <laughs> has uh, killed my vibe over here. <laughs> Damn it. And I can't get half scores because it's it? all your fault. And <laughs> What were you originally going to so, give it? Come on. I was going to give it four out of five hot Uncle Coopers. But now you're making okay. me think I should give it a three out of five. But I'm going to stick with my original. Four out of five hot Uncle Coopers. Yes, yeah, stick with it, please. Like, we're allowed to have different thoughts. <laughs> I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I give it two bulging biceps out of five. <laughs> wow. This is like your second two in the whole series. I've given a few twos. I've given twos before. I don't know about that. Have you? I've given several twos. I'm sure there's listeners who are keeping track of this. Like, tell me, like, tell me how many twos have I given? Like, come on. Always OTH pod. <laughs> like, reach out to us on Twitter. <laughs> I've never given a two. Oh, I've given two. Although, maybe this next episode, ones. I don't know. I like the next next episode. Okay, we're not going to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> right now. That's the next episode. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like the only reason why it doesn't get a one and it gets a two is because I feel like this episode has a lot of great ideas and a lot of interesting plot threads. I just feel like this episode could have been told in 10 minutes, personally. I think a two is very harsh, but okay. But I'm just being you, honest. You, but you we got do to see, you. You do you. Yeah. But we got to see Hot Uncle Cooper and... It was fabulous. It was. <laughs> I hope we get to see him again in various states of undress. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So, uh, let's talk about Hot Uncle Cooper and his various stages of undress. <laughs> Doesn't Brooke say that in the next episode? Hot Uncle Cooper? No, uh, Hot Uncle Cooper doesn't come back until season three, episode 19. That's his next episode. So oh, we don't see are you serious? Oh my god, season three, you're right. That's when she yeah. says it. How yeah. do you know the season- exact episode? What is your... How? Caitlin, it's, it's Hot Uncle Cooper, Okay. <laughs> He appears in season three, episode 19, episode 20. Season three, episode 19, he appears with his shirt off in Rachel's doorway, okay? How can you just pull out these episodes? (laughs) Episode 20, he is still in his short sleeve button-down shirt, (laughs) okay? Then he appears in the finale, and then he is in, like, two episodes in season four, but he's in a hospital bed, so it's not as sexy, okay? I'm telling you, Hot Uncle Cooper is a very formative crush for me, all right? Wow, you must really think Uncle Cooper is hot, like, really? (laughs) I'm telling you, teen me, like, when I got to this episode in particular, it was, it, it was something for me, and that is all I'll say. That, that is all I'll say. I'm pretty sure there's going to be many times where I'm going to overshare my horny Mr. Hot Uncle Cooper. But, I love it. Yeah. I decided, by the way, just so you know, I decided to like do some research into him. So a new thing that I like to do whenever I have a crush on celebrities and I want to just hold myself accountable, I Google their name and Donald Trump. And... <laughs> I was taking a sip of water and Jeremy almost made me spit it out. <laughs> I just saw Kayla. She just... Jeez. She couldn't hold it. 
Google their name and Donald Trump just to make sure that like I'm like keeping myself in check. And you'll be proud to know he was not a Trump supporter. He actually called him out on Twitter. Thank you very much. So hot Uncle Cooper is hot in more ways than one. I should say Michael Truco is hot in more ways than one. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, hot Uncle Cooper's a hunk and his storyline in season three, he hooks up with Rachel. There's going to be some weird things to unpack as far as, like, the age is concerned and everything. Definitely. I wonder, like, yeah, he has that big storyline in season three, and then we never see him. Like, I guess, yeah, at the beginning of season four, but then we never see him again. <laughs> yeah, he never comes back after that. No. And it's a shame. At the end of season three, I really thought, like, oh, maybe we're going to be seeing more of him, like, for the rest of the series. Because I, th- I genuinely think he's a pretty interesting character like hotness aside you know I, I liked how he got integrated at the end of season three and i just wish we could have seen a little bit more of him i do too it would have kind of been interesting to explore like nathan and uncle cooper like their relationship mm-hmm. you know yeah or Deb and cooper i feel like you know he's Deb's brother and we never get to see like their relationship you do get to see a few deleted scenes in season three i do remember those really okay yeah, but that's it. Like, you don't really get to see much of their relationship at all. And I do remember that there's one particular scene between Zeb and Cooper because Cooper is wearing a tight tank top. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go through every piece of clothing he's worn or not worn. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a horny fucking episode. And you know what? I will not apologize. All right. Y- you. Wow. You have a good memory. <laughs> we only see him shirtless once and that is a big miss opportunity i'm just gonna say that oh boy <laughs> i can't wait to rewatch season three i really can't <laughs> me too for many many for reasons real. many yeah oh it's such a good season we're getting there so are we done first then yep. i should be asking the question to myself am i done first then? <laughs> are you am i hot uncle cooper white tank top hot sex okay we're good good. (laughs) um the other thing that like really stood out to me is uh zeb basically gave like dan a death threat in this episode and was that supposed to be foreshadowing for her eventual murder attempts at the end of the season i know you know i saw you put this on our script here and as that scene was happening i'm like wow kind of makes it really obvious when you think about it that she is eventually the one who tries to burn down the dealership and kill dan Mm mm-hmm I never really thought about it like that before, but I, it's a big foreshadowing. Yeah, neither am I. And I feel like this is like one of the reasons why, like when you eventually find out that it was Deb, it all tracks. It all makes sense. You're like, okay, I buy that, you know? Whereas I feel like the other suspects were sort of built up in the course of the final episode of season two. Yep. But Deb, I feel like they were giving us like a slow burn to make us realize that she definitely wants to end dead from the get-go. I just keep thinking of that scene in the season three finale when she tells Dan, Keith didn't try to kill you. I did. And walks away. And it's like, damn, that is intense. It's so fucking good. (laughs) Deb is fire. She is just fire. I love her. But I mean, I don't like that she tried to kill someone, but she is, her character is interesting. And this is just making us just making me think like for the spoiler free segment of the podcast how are we going to deal with this mystery of who killed dan or who tried to kill dan if we're just gonna have to think about how are we going to unpack that yeah because it's revealed Whew, yeah when is it actually revealed that it's deb season three episode nine see i don't just know episode numbers for the horny shit i know episode numbers for plot shit okay I, how, how are you pulling another episode out <laughs> I'm good with numbers. I don't know why. Is it really episode nine? You're positive? Wow. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we just have to go through nine episodes not revealing it. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I just think about that a lot. Like, how are we going to do that? And also, like, the reveal that Haley is pregnant because there's, like, a misdirect for Brooke. I always think about that. Like, how are we going to talk about these topics? Well, that's what the spoiler segment is for, and we're just going to be really careful. Yeah. We're just, we're going to gaslight listeners on the spoiler-free segment. (laughs) (laughs) but it's a while until we get to those we have a lot of episodes coming up you could say that we have a lifetime piling up 
which is season two, episode 20. And you hate this episode? I don't hate... Oh, yeah, this upcoming episode? <laughs> I, I don't like episodes like this with alternate timelines. <sighs> I hate them. So, I mean, I'm going to watch this with fresh eyes and see what I rate it, but I, I really don't like... This is, to me, a filler episode. <laughs> but it's a fun filler episode for me. This is an example of a fun filler <laughs> I love this one. I am excited. I love alternate realities. I love little switcheroos. And Kayla and I may have a fun idea for this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You're right. <laughs> We're still in the work workshop phases of that, but stay tuned. You, <laughs> I want to say you won't be disappointed, but you might be. I don't know. You're going to find out. <laughs> Anyway, next time we're talking about Season 2, Episode 20, Lifetime Pile It Up. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, What if, unconscious after his racetrack crash, Nathan dreams of how life could have turned out. He is the abandoned illegitimate son, and Lucas is the pampered, arrogant star of the Ravens basketball team. Be seeing ya. Will be seeing ya. <laughs> <laughs>